What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week. In this episode, I want to talk about the Bills versus the Eagles and how concerned are you about the Bills' playoff chances after the last two weeks. Also, the Buffalo Sabres have finished the month of October at 9-2-2. Do you think the Buffalo Sabres are for real, or do you think we are in store for another collapse like last year? And to finish it all off, I want to talk about the huge win for the UB Bulls football team this past weekend, and also the Bulls uh, men's basketball team kicked off against the Division II Damon College Wildcats. Stick around. We have a ton of stuff coming up in this episode, so let's have some fun. Before we start this podcast, I want to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who has listened to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, I want you to share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or anybody you know that enjoys sports talk about Buffalo. Let them know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, on Anchor. If you want to contact me at all, you can get at me at my email, which is sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. That's sportstalkbuff1 on Twitter to find out the latest news and notes from the show and also my opinions on a lot of the things that are going on in and around sports in general. Again, thank you all for listening. So let's keep this podcast growing and keep the ball rolling. So if you're ready, let's jump right into it. All right, let's kick things off by talking about the Buffalo Bills versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Bills unfortunately dropped this game, falling to 5 and 2. They lose 31 to 13. My question is, after watching the past two weeks, how the Dolphins seem to expose the Bills' defense and also how the Eagles seem to expose the Bills' defense, how worried are you about their playoff chances on a scale of 1 to 10? Right now, for me, I'm at about a 3 as as far as being worried about the Buffalo Bills and their playoff chances coming up. And the reason for that is... The Buffalo Bills are playing against opponents in the upcoming schedule that have a combined record of 26 and 40. They play against just three teams that have winning records at this point. The Dallas Cowboys, the uh, Baltimore Ravens, and the New England Patriots. In the other episode, I did predict these three. I predicted a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. I predicted a win to the Ravens, and I predicted, of course, a loss to the New England Patriots. But... I just think that how weak the AFC is and how weak the Buffalo Bills schedule is, I think that if they win all the games that they should win, the Bills will be a lock to make it into the playoffs for the second time in three years. You heard that right, Bills fans. The second time in three years that the Bills are going to the playoffs, hopefully, that would be absolutely huge and really show that the organization is moving forward and and making progress with this whole rebuild. Now, are you upset? The the trade deadline just passed, and I want to ask you, are you upset that the Bills did not make any moves to make the, the Bills team stronger? They had a couple of 
areas that I thought that were pretty weak on the Bills. One of them was uh, the, the second cornerback. I, I think Levi Wallace had been picked on the last few games. I don't think he's had terribly good games, especially against the Miami Dolphins, where Ryan Fitzpatrick targeted him again and again, and he just couldn't seem to stop the passing attack for Miami. Uh, another key area that I think that the Bills needed to go after was potentially a wide receiver. Now, I'm not one that thinks that the Bills need a legitimate, bona fide, number one wide receiver uh, on this team. I just think they need somebody opposite John Brown. That is kind of like a John Brown. A guy that is not necessarily a bona fide, legitimate, number one wide receiver, but somebody that can draw some coverage their way and potentially get John Brown open a little bit more and vice versa on the other side, maybe a 1A and a 1B so that they can spread the offense out a little bit. In this past game, John Brown caught five passes for 54 yards and he was the leader in terms of passing yard or reception yards in this game. That is not a very good thing when your team leader only has 54 yards receiving. Either you're spreading the ball out a lot and getting a lot of different receivers involved, or you are sim- you simply don't have that game-breaking wide receiver or game-breaking wide receivers that some other teams do have. Now, around the trade deadline, the Buffalo Bills were being rumored to be potential uh, trade partners with the LA Chargers for Melvin Gordon. I just want to say thank goodness that the Bills were not in on Melvin Gordon. I think that he is overrated. I don't think he is worth the money that he wants. And I don't think that the Bills need him on this team. They have a lot of other holes to fill and running back is simply not one of them. Going back to the wide receiver topic though, I wanted to talk about them not getting another wide receiver. Do you think that the Bills and the coaching staff believe that Robert Foster is that 1B to the John Brown 1A? Personally, I'm I am not so sure. I'm not a big fan of that, but the Bills clearly seem to think that they are completely fine at the wide receiver position. John Brown did get open for one pass, one deep pass in the last game. Uh, Josh Allen was unable to hit him as the winds were swirling quite a bit in Buffalo. So the deep ball wasn't really there for either team. The short and intermediate passing game was kind of the most that either team could really do. Now, another thing that's concerning for me is the Buffalo Bills defense has allowed over 200 yards for the fifth time under Sean McDermott. Does that make you worry at all that... McDermott does not have the defense playing well against the run as, you know, maybe previous coaches did. And also that the Bills got manhandled in the trenches. This goes along with the 200 plus rushing yards. They got manhandled in the trenches. Philadelphia had 41 carries for 218 yards and three rushing touchdowns. That is simply not good enough. You are not going to beat many teams when you're giving up 218 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Another thing that really needs to happen for the Bills to be able to succeed to sustain winning and continue uh, continuously win on a weekly basis, Josh Allen has to play better. Now, he didn't play bad in this game as far as I'm concerned. I thought he had an okay game, but 
This past game, in terms of how he looked and stats-wise, it reminded me very much of a Tyrod Taylor-type game. Josh Allen was sacked four times. He was 16 of 34 for 169 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did lose one fumble. He also added eight carries for 45 yards. That is an okay game, and if your defense is playing fantastic and great and shutting down the other team, that could potentially be good enough to win. But on a day where your defense is not playing that great, it that is just not good. that is not going to get anything done the 169 yards is especially concerning the bills had multiple the bills offense had multiple three and outs they could not stay on the field and that is part of the reason why i think the defense was so tired and gave up the 218 yards on the ground in this game though Devin Singletary had four receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown. And in my opinion, they need to get Devin Singletary the ball more. He is a playmaker. Obviously, this guy is not a burner. He ran a 4.66 at the combine, but he has tremendous game speed and he does not go down on first contact. As you've seen on the touchdown, defenders just bounce off of this, this young man and he just makes things happen. You have to get the ball in his hands, whether it's screen plays, whether it's passing plays down the field, or whether it's run plays and handing the ball off to him. This young man needs to touch the ball more. That's all I'm going to say about the Bills versus the Eagles. Coming up in our next segment, are the Buffalo Sabres for real? Stick around to find out what I think. All right, let's jump right into segment two and start talking about the Buffalo Sabres. They are 9-2-2 after the first month of the regular season. And after last year's monumental collapse, we have to ask the question, are the Buffalo Sabres for real? Right now, as I'm recording this, they sit as one of the top teams in the NHL. But in their last three games, they are 1-1-1. So are the Buffalo Sabres for real? And I personally think so, and here's why. The Buffalo Sabres so far are averaging 3.38 goals per game and giving up just 2.53 goals against. They have a plus 11 goal differential. Just one team in the Eastern Conference has a better goal differential than the Buffalo Sabres, and that is the Boston Bruins at plus 12, and the Sabres are tied for fourth best goal differential in the NHL. Also, at the time of recording this, the Sabres are, were just one of two teams with at least four guys who have five goals. I'm going to say that one more time because it might have got confusing. The Sabres are just one of two teams. The only other team that has got this is the Washington Capitals have four guys that have at least five goals. And the Buffalo Sabres are that other team. The Buffalo Sabres have five players in double digits in terms of points. They have 14 players that have at least one goal. Eichel, of course, leads the Buffalo Sabres with 17 points in 13 games. So what you're seeing is spread out scoring. Something that the Sabres have not had in recent years is everyone contributing. From lines one to lines four, everyone is contributing. And people really need to stop talking about 
putting Jeff Skinner on that first line because if you do that, you essentially cancel out the middle two lines for the Buffalo Sabres, giving them just two lines to work with, the first line and the de facto fourth line to continue to produce. And I say that because if you put Jeff Skinner on that first line, Johansson will have to essentially do everything himself on that second line. And I just don't think he is a talented player. Don't get me wrong. He has been a fantastic addition for the Buffalo Sabres, but he is just not he wouldn't be able to carry absolutely everything himself if you put Victor Olofsson down on that second line. What you what you have right now is a very balanced scoring attack. People are saying, oh man, you just paid Jeff Skinner all that money. You should have him on the first line. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? He is scoring on the second line. He's got seven goals. He's tied with Jack Eichel for the team lead, which means he's on pace for over 40 goals again this year. He is doing just fine on that second line with Marcus Johansson. It is giving the Sabres a very, very balanced attack. And you have to give Victor Olofsson some time on that first line. He is he is an older player, but he is still a rookie in the NHL. He does not have a lot of games in the NHL. He was a very good 5-on-5 scorer in the AHL, at least to begin the season last year. And if you have really been paying attention to him, as I have been these last few games, he has been getting multiple opportunities on 5-on-5 play. Those will start to go in for him because he's got an absolutely disgusting shot. Again, he is doing just fine on that first line, and the Buffalo Sabres are a better team overall with Jeff Skinner on that second line. A big thing for the Buffalo Sabres to continue their winning ways also is is the play of Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel has, like I said before, 17 points in 13 games. Right now, he is on pace for 107 points, by far the most in his career over an 82-game season, or 44 goals and 63 assists. The 44 goals would easily be a career high for Jack Eichel. That is a key for the Sabres to continue to uh, perform well uh, as the season goes on. Another key for the Buffalo Sabres is what they have going right now, and that is key contributions up and down the lineup from lines one to lines four. Everyone is contributing. As I said earlier, they have 14 players on the Buffalo Sabres with at least one goal. The last thing that I think the Sabres absolutely need to continue their winning ways is their goaltending needs to stay where it is at. Obviously, it's going to fall off just a little bit. I understand that the goaltenders have been playing absolutely out of their minds. The Between the two of them, Olmark and Carter Hutton, they already have three shutouts on the season. That type of play is not going to continue. I understand that. But as long as they can keep their save percentage in the 915 to 925 range, I think that both of them, I think that the Buffalo Sabres will be in very good position to make the playoffs going forward. Now let's jump into the last three games that the Buffalo Sabres have played. As I said earlier, they they are 1-1-1 in these games. The Sabres played the Rangers. They got beat 
for essentially all 60 minutes against the New York Rangers. They came out. They didn't seem like they really respected the Rangers. They seemed like they thought they were going to kind of walk through them. And that you cannot do in the NHL on any night. The Rangers got off to a quick 3 to nothing lead in the first period. And they never, ever looked back. Dalene struggled. He was essentially the sole reason for the first goal. Fumbled the puck in the neutral zone. Given up to the worst player you can give it to on the New York Rangers, which is Artemi Panarin. And Panarin comes in and makes Carter Hutton look foolish uh, on the breakaway. Carter Hutton struggled in this game as he uh, gave up six goals against. Easily his worst game of the year. He did bounce back in the game that the Sabres just played. uh, A shootout loss to the... Arizona Coyotes, but in the game against the Rangers, he didn't get a whole lot of help, and the Sabres shots against, they actually won the shots for and shots against against the New York Rangers. Uh, The Rangers had the better of the play, though, the better chances and things of that nature in this game. The Sabres outshot the Rangers 33-24 to in this game. The next game, the Sabres played the Detroit Red Wings, and Linus Olmark was spec. I don't know what else to say about his performance. He was simply on fire. He made 41 saves in a shutout attempt. And the Buffalo Sabres, though they got outshot 41-25, to they came out with a 2-0 win against the Detroit, the lowly Detroit Red Wings, handing the Red Wings their sixth straight loss uh, in this season. Um... Jack Eichel in this game had two assists. Jake McCabe had one goal. Reinhardt had one goal. And the pass from Olofsson to Sam Reinhardt on the power play was a thing of beauty. The Sabres power play is going to continue to be deadly all season long. They have five guys on that ice that can score at any given time. Five guys on the ice that can stick handle. Five guys on the ice that can shoot. And my goodness, that first power play unit is going to continue to be deadly for the Buffalo Sabres. And I didn't mention it earlier, but I think if their power play continues to be very, very good, they have a great chance at winning a lot of games. This past game, the the bad trend for the Sabres continued against the Arizona Coyotes as they were outshot 44-26. to Now, the shots on goal, in my opinion, I watched this whole game, They didn't tell the whole story. There was a lot of shots from the outside by the Coyotes in this game. And the Coyotes are a shoot-first team. They shoot the puck, drive harder than that, and that's how they score a lot of their goals. They are also a very stingy team, giving up, I believe, the second-fewest goals on the season coming into this game. The Sabres clearly struggled to, to manifest offense after they... Score the first two goals. Eichel on the power play real quick right off the faceoff. Eichel gets it, fires at blocker side, and beats uh, the Arizona goaltender. And on the very, uh, later in the period, I'm sorry, Johansson and Skinner, fantastic play. He gives the puck to Johansson, turns, opens himself up for the pass back from Johansson, and Jeff Skinner, as you know, does not miss those goals. He absolutely buries it. Now, the thing that's concerning is the Sabres gave up a two-goal lead. Some say it is the most dangerous lead in hockey, and for the Sabres in this one, it rings true. The Sabres give up the two-goal lead, but end up taking the or taking the game into overtime, still earning themselves a point in this game. 
Now, they did lose in the shootout, but the Sabres were very, very close to winning this game three separate times in the overtime period. Right off the the get-go, Sam Reinhart rings one off the crossbar. A little bit later in the OT period, Casey Middlestad rings one off the goalpost. And then Casey Middlestad gets a half breakaway and can't bury the backhand against the Arizona goaltender, uh, shooting it high and wide. Now, again, these things are going to happen. The fact that the Sabres still came out with the point, even though they were outplayed for much of the second half of this game, is tremendous. These are marks of a good team, and people need to realize that all of the analytics and all of the things that you're seeing are showing you that this is a lot more sustainable than the 10-game win streak last year. When the Sabres were winning last year, nine of those were one-goal games and gone to overtime, and the Sabres continued to defy odds. They got a lot of puck luck last year in that 10-game win streak, and that is what helped them uh, win those win in that 10-game stretch. What you're seeing right now is far, far, far more sustainable type of hockey from the Buffalo Sabres. They don't seem to get down on themselves when they let in a goal. They don't seem to get down on themselves when they lose a game. They don't seem to get rattled very often. And as I stated on this podcast before, it seems like they have taken their persona of their head coach, Ralph Kruger, which is fantastic. He doesn't seem like he gets rattled. He seems very calm, very cool, very collected behind the bench. His team is taking on that persona and they're just sticking with the game plan night after night after night, no matter if they're down or they're up. And it has gotten them to a 9-2-2 record to uh, end the month of October. A big test for the Buffalo Sabres will be the next game against the Washington Capitals. That will be coming up this Friday, uh, this Friday night. Both teams are looking to continue their hot starts. That's going to do it for segment number two of this episode. Stick around as in the next episode, or in the next segment rather, I want to talk about the UB football team and their absolutely dominant win against a very strong Central Michigan team. And also, the UB Bulls basketball team has started their season, and I could not be more excited. So stick around, and let's have some fun in the next segment also. All right, let's jump right into segment three and start talking about the University at Buffalo and their football and basketball teams. This is going to be a short segment. I just wanted to touch on it, but I thought it was too important to not jump on it. A lot of other people really overlook the job that is being done at the University at Buffalo, and I do not want to be one of those people. So let's start with the University at Buffalo football team and the Bulls had a huge win against Central Michigan in this game. The Bulls bringing their record up to 4-4 four and four on the season and getting two uh, game wins, I'm sorry, two wins away from bowl eligibility for the third straight time it is absolutely incredible. I think that if the defense continues to be this dominant, that they absolutely will get six wins, especially if their quarterback and their run game played the way they did, but I'll get to that in a few seconds. In this game, the defense for UB, I just want to say they are legit. They are probably the best defense in the MAC conference, and they are one of the top 10 best defenses 
in the entire nation. In this game, the Bulls forced five turnovers. They had two interceptions, including a pick six from Kadolfi Wright. They had three forced fumbles, and they recovered all three of them. They held Central Michigan to just 20 points after Central Michigan in the previous three weeks averaged over 40 points. They had 42, 42, and 38 in their previous three games, and the UB Bulls defense held them to just 20 points. My goodness, what an unbelievable job this team has done and this coaching staff has done after the debacle of the Liberty football game where they got completely carved apart by Liberty in the past game. They have completely clamped down and shut teams down since that game. I thought that they had pl- they have played very, very, very well. Also, someone who has looked good in the past few weeks, not last week, but this past week, was Kyle Van Treese, the backup who has been thrust into the starting job as Matt Myers, the original starting quarterback, has been shut down for the season with a season-ending neck injury. Like I said, Van Treese looked good in this one. He was a 13 of 25 for 179 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Is that the prolific passing that we have grown accustomed to under Tyree Jackson? No, it is not. But did it give them enough space to be able to run the ball effectively, which is now their bread and butter? Absolutely. Vantrese and Nunn were able to take the top off the defense several times in this game, including a 38-yard bomb down the right sideline from uh, Vantrese to Nunn. Nunn had a spectacular game. They finally got him the ball. They got him involved quite a bit. He had five receptions for 77 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Both touchdowns coming in the back left corner of the end zone on jump balls. He is showing that he is a playmaker and if he is matched up one-on-one, they need to take shots down the field and try to get him to make plays for you. He is a very talented receiver. Antonio Nunn playing good, Kyle Vantries playing good, which means Jared Patterson has more opportunity to run the ball. He's not going to face such a stacked box when he carries the ball. He had 28 carries in this game for 149 yards and a touchdown. My goodness, Jared Patterson really reminds me of somebody else in Buffalo that the Bills just drafted who is nicknamed motor. You guessed it. It is Devin Singletary. They are both small school guys. They are both small in stature. They both have thick bodies. They both have great vision and they both rarely go down on first contact. That is absolutely huge. And Jared Patterson, if he continues to do what he's doing, he also added two receptions for 59 yards in this game. If he continues to do what he's doing and produce at this level. And he is no doubt going to be an NFL draft pick after next season. He is shown time and again that he is a very, very good running back and he can produce against top tier talent. Another player that I wanted to talk about for the UB Bulls is Joey Banks. Now, Joey Banks is a Juco transfer and Uh, strong safety and he has been absolutely incredible he's been just dynamite 
for UB, breaking up several passes and things of that nature, and coming up and stopping the run. He is a hard hitter, and he hits very heavy. Joey Banks, in this game, had 10 tackles, 9 solo, 1 assist, and he had, he forced 1 fumble, which was recovered by UB, and he also had 1 interception in this game. This kid is legit. I don't know if he'll go to the NFL. We will see after this year. I think this is... I'm not sure. I think he's a junior. He This might be the last year of his eligibility uh, if he is a senior, obviously. If he's a junior, I would love to have Joey Banks back. I think he could use another year in college. But if he does, he ha- he might have a legitimate shot at getting into the NFL. Also, something that needed to be worked on quite a bit is the special teams. And the kicking game really came through for the Bulls in this one. Although they did miss an extra point in this game, the kicking game was 3-for-3 three three with a long of 39 yards. Alex McNulty was 3-for-3. Three three. And on the extra point that was missed, I did notice something when I was watching this game. The holder of the the holder on the extra point, when he caught the ball, he put it down. He didn't turn it so that the laces were out. The laces were in, which as you know, can really mess with how the ball comes off the foot. That was a huge thing for the Buffalo Bulls is to get their kicking game on track. And I think that if this game is any indication, they have really done that. As I stated earlier, they are now 4-4 four and four and just two wins shy of bowl eligibility. That would again be huge in terms of recruiting, in terms of getting the Buffalo Bulls brand out there and really continuing to build this program. I think Lance Leipold has done a fantastic job and he's really shutting down the critics and people who are saying that he needs to be fired. I think he's doing a tremendous job, especially after losing 11 people off of the offense from last year, including their starting tight end and two of their starting wide receivers and their starting quarterback, of course. The UB Bulls have done a tremendous job and continue to do a tremendous job. Is the passing game going to be their strength? It will not be their strength. The defense and the run game will be the Bulls' strength this year. And if they can get six wins, I think that they will absolutely be uh, in a bowl game this year. They will not get stiffed like they did a couple years ago because the Bulls beat a Temple team who has now beaten two ranked teams, and didn't just beat Temple, beat them up. So the Bulls definitely are going to start being on a lot of people's radar if they continue to win the way they do. Jumping ahead to the basketball team, I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am about this basketball team. And there's a couple reasons why. I I always get excited for new faces and new players to see how they perform and to see how they do. And I'm just really excited that it seems like they are continuing the winning tradition here at Buffalo. I was not a huge fan of Jim, the Jim Weitzel hire when he was originally hired. I thought there were better, better candidates out there that Buffalo could bring into their program, but I didn't take one thing into account. And the fact that if they changed a coach and brought in somebody from the outside, they might not have been able to keep all of the players that were brought in previously uh, when Weitzel was there. And that is huge because we were able to keep Jonathan Williams. We were able to keep guys like Ronaldo Segu, Javon Graves, guys like that who came into the program and are really going to start to flourish 
in this upcoming year. This is their time. This is their year. And from what I seen in the highlights and the, a little bit of game that I was able to watch against Division II Damon in the exhibition as they always play Damon College in the uh, in the first game of the year for an exhibition game. I know Divi- uh, Damon is Division II, but they blew Damon out of the water. They beat them 111-73. to and they looked fast. They uh, left, picked up where they left off last year. It seemed they created 20 turnovers and they had 43 fast break points. One of the notes that I wrote down here from just watching the little bit of game that I did, this team looks more athletic and faster than last year's team, which is scary because last year's team won over 30 games in the Mid-American Conference. That is crazy. I don't think that they're going to win over 30 games. I don't think they're going to win and start setting records and things like that. But I do see another 20-plus win season on the horizon for the Bulls if they continue to play together and play the way that they have been. Also, I think that it is not out of the question that UB contends for another Mid-American Conference championship this upcoming year and potentially going to another NCAA tournament. That would be huge for the program, especially after their head coach left, to continue the winning ways of the the program and to continue pushing forward. I think it would be absolutely tremendous. I think it would show recruits that they have a very steady program, that they have a steady coach, and that they can continue their winning ways even though a coach has left. Uh, for a bigger program and the Bulls can potentially be the Gonzaga of the East is what a lot of people were calling them last year when Nate Oates was saying that he wanted to stay. I think if Jim Weitzel has a tremendous year and I'm talking about 25 plus wins, I think you extend him, you get out in front of the in front of this thing and you offer him quite a bit of money to try to keep him here. He has done a, a tremendous job recruiting so far, at least on paper, and he has done a tremendous job at keeping the players who they have here, here for uh, the University at Buffalo. But that's going to do it for me on this episode. I just want to say once again, thank you guys for listening. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead, tell your friends, tell your family about this podcast. They can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, right here on Anchor. If you want to get involved in the show, you can leave me a voice message on anchor.fm right here on this page, and you might be featured in another episode. You can also, if you want to get a hold of me, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsTalkBuff1. That's SportsTalkBuff1. You can also email me, SportsTalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and have a good week.